0: Greetings, church leaders and friends. Welcome to the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer support to church leaders who want to become better informed, more effective, and help their church thrive. I'm your host, Carrie Holton. This week I want to tell you a story, a story that I hope will encourage us all, including church leaders in every place, to be and to dedicate ourselves to forever be people of the book. People of the book. Of course, the book to which I refer is the Bible, the Word of God. Those who came before us in our religious heritage were known as people of the book. They longed to be a people who were Bible-based, who wanted a thus saith the Lord to support and authorize what they believed and practiced. My hope and prayer is that we all would be known as people of the book. Every church must have an authoritative guide of some sort, a standard by which to measure itself. That standard will govern the faith and practice of that church. But what should that standard be? Since our aim is to please the Lord, who, according to Matthew 28 and verse 18, has all authority in heaven and on earth, since our aim is to please Him and not human beings, We must know what the Lord wants. We must know what is the will of the Lord, and we find that in the Bible. We should view the Bible, then, as our guide, because the Bible reveals the will of our Lord. Earl West tells an interesting story that illustrates what I'm talking about in his book, The Search for the Ancient Order, Volume 1, and I am indebted to him for the following content. In the opening chapter of West's book, he introduces his readers to James O'Kelly, whose story begins shortly before 1760, when he and Elizabeth Meeks were married. Two sons were born to them, John and William. O'Kelly's son, William, was 12 years old when the first Methodist preachers came into the region of Virginia in 1775. William and his mother were converted, and William immediately began to seek the conversion of his father James, and it did not take long before Dad himself was interested in religion. He listened to the preachers and read the sermons they brought, which had been delivered by John Wesley, and according to West, what struck O'Kelly was the fact that those preachers gave all sufficiency to the Bible. Wesley said, we will be downright Christians. Later, O'Kelly wrote, they, that is certain ministers, they come to us under the direction of John Wesley, whose name to me is of precious memory. His writings magnified the Bible and gave it preference and honor. He declared he regarded the authority of no writings but the inspired. He urged the sufficiency of the Scriptures for faith and practice, saying, We will be downright Bible Christians. End quote. In time, O'Kelly became disenchanted with the Methodist Church, and it had to do with the way ministers were appointed. According to the Methodist government at the time, the power of appointing preachers rested in the hands of the superintendent, who at the time, was a significant Methodist leader named Francis Asbury. On November first, 1792, the General Conference of the Church met in Baltimore. O'Kelly introduced a motion that a preacher be given the right of appeal to the conference if he didn't like his appointment. This was a blow to Asbury, who immediately retired from the conference, leaving the meeting in charge of another. The debate that followed was intense and raged for three days. O'Kelly's motion failed, and when this happened, he and his followers served notice that they were through with the conference. Standing by O'Kelly were Rice Haggard, John Allen, John Robertson, and William McKendry. In 1793, this group, Petitioned Asbury, to meet them in a conference to examine the government of the Methodist Episcopal Church by the scriptures. Asbury refused to meet, and on December twenty-fifth, 1793, the group led by O'Kelly and Haggard decided to officially sever all relations with the Methodist Episcopal Church. The next general meeting of the O'Kelly group was perhaps its most important. The meeting was held... August 4th, 1794, a committee of seven had been appointed to devise a plan of church government. Finally, they decided to lay aside every manuscript and go by the Bible alone. Rice Haggard stood up and said this, Brethren, this, referring to the Bible, this is a sufficient rule of faith and practice. By it, we are told, that the disciples were called Christians, and I move that henceforth and forever the followers of Christ be known as Christians simply." End quote. Following Haggard's suggestion, a brother, Hafferty of North Carolina, stood up and moved that they take the Bible itself as their only creed. And from these two motions, the O'Kelly movement devised what became known as the Five cardinal principles of the Christian church, and here are those five principles. Number one, the Lord Jesus Christ as the only head of the church. Number two, the name Christian to the exclusion of all party and sectarian names. Number three, the Holy Bible or the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, our only creed and a sufficient rule of faith and practice. Number four, Christian character or vital piety, the only test of church fellowship and membership. And number five, the right of private judgment and the liberty of conscience, the privilege and duty of all. As West notes in his book, the significance of O'Kelly's action lies in the main in the direction he was looking. Theirs was a movement to overthrow human elements in religion and go only by the Scriptures. The leaders of our religious heritage pled for followers of Christ to go back to the Bible. Why? Because they believed in its divine inspiration, authority, and all-sufficiency. They believed the Bible reveals God and His will, and as a result, They regarded the Bible, as one might expect, as the norm or standard by which his people must be measured in every age. May it always be that we too are people of the book. May it always be that we too look to the scriptures as a sufficient rule of faith and practice. We need a standard by which to measure ourselves, and surely... There cannot be a better one than God's holy word.